every week. But I, you know, it's Yael Osowski. Good man. Was there I you close? Go, was I close? You were a hundred percent on. So many of you in the audience are familiar with Yael. He's been on, I think you do a weekly appearance with Joe. You have your own show. Tell us folks a little bit about you for those who aren't as familiar with you. And then we're going to get into some really good, uh, meat and potatoes kind of issue. So so I'm definitely a, a son of North Carolina. I grew up around Concord area. And, because that's uh, such a common name in North Carolina. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm from a NASCAR family. We moved from my native Canada to uh, kind of go down to the Charlotte area and get involved in the industry. And my dad is working, brother, cousin, uncle, uh, kind of the whole family affair. And then I'm doing whatever I'm doing in political advocacy. Well, you know, you've been involved in a number of issues, and, and Joe said, hey, you've got to ask him about coronavirus. You know what? Everyone here has got an opinion about this thing. This, uh, I, I, it's, not the, you know, it's not the apocalypse. There's no zombies coming. It's, uh, you know, it is likely to make a lot of people sick, but the, you know, the flu is killing hundreds of thousands of people, and no one seems to be concerned. You know, the World Health Organization, I used to work peripherally with them through Family Health International year, decades ago. Tell us your take on this. You know, we now have cases in California. People are, it looks like people are pushing for panic. Um, kind of what's your take on this? Obviously, it's spreading. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. So there's, there's two kind of takes you can have on this. Um, obviously, I've been reading and writing and researching a lot about the World Health Organization for probably the last four years, specifically when it comes to where they prioritize their resources. And what we see the last three or four years, uh, they've actually been more interested in cracking down on people who vape than actually looking at big epidemics and diseases and ways that they can actually respond to these when they happen. Um, so there's a lot of cases, and I think Joe was on the, the radio, I think, two days ago, and read from an article I had written in the American Spectator a while ago about just the case for fraud and abuse in the World Health Organization. This is an organization that is supposed to be taxpayer-funded, is supposed to be our public health authority around the world, but they've been spending money, high-flying, business jets, putting up in hotels, the largest resorts in the world, and they haven't put the resources where they're actually needed. And we saw this years ago. And then when this thing happens and you have the coronavirus and you have China, which is an authoritarian government, basically wielding every weapon and baton that they can to shut the people down who are talking about how serious this is, uh, the World Health Organization is not doing the job it's supposed to do. So I think the argument that we've made at Consumer Choice Center is that this is the opportunity to hold them accountable. This is the opportunity to actually make sure they focus on the things that matter. Don't go after the people who want to have their big gulp. Don't go after the people who are using vaping to quit smoking. And don't go around the world telling us we need to have some kind of socialized medical systems, which is what they've been doing the last two years. They put a lot of money to trying to promote these type of systems around the world. Well, it is it is kind of fascinating as you as you look at this stuff. You know, I, I look at the UN. That's something that a lot of people in our audience are familiar with. They, the UN, they believe, is a mostly corrupt organization. It hasn't been accomplishing what it set out to do. It's become a political instrument for the left globally. The World Health Organization seems to be a health version of that. And and you're right. So uh, an example of that. Well, it's not an example of the World Health Organization, but it is our reaction. So the Trump administration puts together a coronavirus task force in January, in mid-January, and the attack from the left was that it wasn't diverse enough. It was amazing that it was not about the substance of things. But with the World Health Organization, we had an article a couple of days ago that said that we know 20% of science that's funded in universities is completely fraudulent because it's dependent upon you know affirmation of whatever it is you got the grant money for, not instead of where science leads. Is the World Health Organization, how do you bring it? You said we need to. How do we bring the World Health Organization you know, to correct the course of what it's supposed to do instead of what it's entitled to do. So with my colleagues, what we've always done is to focus on the important periods for the World Health Organization. It's a 
governing body like any other kind of government organization in the world. So they have their board meetings that they put together every three or four months. And that's actually an opportunity to put media pressure and to talk about it and get things actually into the media ether. Because most people, as you said, are very bored by the notion of the World Health Organization. They got no idea what these guys are doing. They seem like all good guys that give us masks and vaccines when we need it. Well, really, behind the scenes, they're the ones who are trying to argue for increasing taxes and really taking the Michael Bloomberg approach of making sure you're not going to have any sugary foods, any fatty foods. They want to control your diet. I think we really need to be talking about this a lot more. And the U.S., as a principal funder, has a huge role in this. We would have hoped that President Trump and the new administration would have been a lot more skeptical when it comes to the World Health Organization. They definitely were with the U.N. They've and done this NATO, a little bit with NATO. With NATO yeah. And that sort of push is there. So I think, you know, we need to continue pushing this. It's a very opportune time to do it. You know, everything that the World Health Organization does is not just something they have in some Geneva office. I mean, the things that they write and the things that they put together through their research on cancer organizations, for instance, that stuff finds its way into our legal system. And then we have these multi-billion dollar class action lawsuits based on bogus, phony science. You would say, is it, I mean, is this around the, like Monsanto and these This is everything are... with, with glyphosate. It's everything with the opiates. It's anything that they say is carcinogenic, which includes hot coffee and bacon and yes, meat. California now. So, yeah. And this is exactly everything with California and Prop 65 is everything that's labeled carcinogenic now has a huge label. This product is known yes. to the state of California to cause cancer. It has to be on the cup, doesn't it? Yeah. That's exactly it. And now that is across the entire country. So it's when very no troubling to back happening. it up. Nothing. I mean, it's like saying that, you know, talking to that microphone will cause you to have cancer. And just because it has a piece of plastic, then that product, that coffee machine is known to cause cancer. It's, it's kind of, it's run amok. And I think people are more awake to this. They're more attuned to this. I think we've got some good signaling from the Trump administration. Um, if people are going to really look into their public health communities locally and ask them to put pressure on, we actually can make a difference. You mean from the county level, county uh, health departments, and then the state health departments, health and human services? You're saying that the push can come from all over. Of course. I, I know that uh, you know you and Joe both, Chad, have worked a lot in, in the local level, state level. I mean, that is probably the most important thing we should be doing right now in our country because this is where you can have impact. There's public health departments in every single county in North Carolina. You have health commissioners. These guys have a lot of influence in places like Raleigh. And if you can get a lot of people on your side, people talking about this, debating about it, you can make a kind of a difference. Well, it is kind of astounding. So, you know, looking at the world, you know, with the coronavirus and the proliferation of it, I mean, it, it, it seems like it's petering out a little bit in China at this point. What, what would you say, this is something you write about often, something you look at, I'm not, I'm not pretending that you have a PhD in epidemiology or anything, but this is something you've been observing, and a lot of times, hey, journalists are there, they're on the front lines, they see these things, you study these things. So what do you think? I mean, is it is it going to slow down in China, or are the Chinese still being, you know, less than forthcoming? You know, you looked at the death rate in Iran, it looked much higher than any other country. In Italy, most of the cases that are ending up in, in Europe are coming from Italy. What's your take, and, and now we have cases in California, I'm not trying to, and obviously there's been a little bit of rattling of the markets between the Democrat primary and this. Where do you think it goes? I think really where there's a lot of hope in all of this, because we need a little bit of hope right now, is that the countries that have better health systems actually fare much better. So people who are getting coronavirus in places like Germany, no one has died yet in these places, even though you have hundreds of cases. 
Italy is another example, and they have their own problems. And this goes back to the socialized medicine and the World Health Organization. But a place like the United States is the greatest health system in the world. So I don't think we're going to be as impacted because we do have access to doctors and hospitals. You don't hear that in the Democratic primary, of course. Um, it's doomsday when it comes to health care in their eyes. But there is so much innovation that is in many of these countries. When it comes to China, look, this is an authoritarian government. They lied about what was happening with the virus. They were locking people up who were talking about it openly, trying to warn their family and friends. Um, they're not someone to praise right now. And that's exactly what the World Health Organization did two weeks ago, praising China, praising their approach. That's just bad. But we, And you're right. We had... Uh, Doctors that were suppressed, activists that were suppressed, homes that were broken into and searched. Uh, you know, this is not we, – we've had trouble getting accurate information. Do you feel that the information is becoming more accurate that we're getting out of China now? I mean, I would think that from a Chinese perspective, it, their economy is largely reliant on first world countries that, that have free markets. I mean, they're hugely reliant on the U.S. And the degree to which this impacts their ability to provide goods and services for the rest of the planet – they're in dire straits because of this. They've got, I mean, so on the one hand, it's in their best interest to hide information. On the other, it's in their interest to get it under control. I think probably six months from now, we're going to be hearing about the coronavirus tax, and it's going to be that prices generally are probably going to have to go up. There's a lot of people who source their products in China or have warehouses in China manufacturing, and we're already seeing that they've been closed for months. So what does that mean for the timing of your product release and your launch? I mean, it will affect consumers. Prices are going to go up. We're getting a little bit more information now, but only because journalists are coming from around the world to China to try to report on this, and there is pressure on the government. And this is where we can always see a difference in authoritarian governments like in Iran and China is once the people apply pressure, they have to respond. So you have that pressure applied to Xi Jinping, who's the premier of China, and he has to respond now. He has to be truthful. They tell him, stop lying. The doctor who was the first to actually be arrested and threatened by the authorities for talking about it is now a hero. So people yeah. are talking about him, and that's being out there. So the, the people have to respond. China really has to respond in this. But I, I do think, again, I want to think hopeful. Uh, we have great health systems. We have great ways of spreading the news and information and, and ways we can protect ourselves, and I think we'll get through this. And you're not a broker, and you're not a financial – you don't claim to be a financial expert, but you – obviously you're following this. But these things the, – the, we're such a complex economy that, that things affect. If people think supply is going to be affected, then the economy is affected, and we, we obviously can have commentary there. Do you, when do you think this calms down? Do you think the, the president was asserting, hey, when the weather gets warmer, this is like a cold or a flu in some ways, and the contagion kind of changes and diminishes? It's going to be, I think, coronavirus is going to be a way of life for the next 20 years, like a cold or flu season. Uh, it looks like the, the Israelis are working on a vaccine. It looks like, you know, we're, the, the, the vaccine development's happening rather quickly. What's your take on what the ultimate impact on the economy? Does, it, does the market recover? I think what we need is a signal and a signal that we have some kind of vaccine. We have some kind of antidote that is available. I mean, the research that we've been seeing now is that usually it takes a year to provide a vaccine to go from the initial research to human testing and human trials. We're now at three months and actually some vaccines are ready. They're already That's conducting astounding. human See, trials. But, but I've been reading articles. No, it'll be years. We're nowhere close. But. I'm reading other things that are legitimate, the scientific inquiries that are saying, hey, because of the way we know this virus is constructed, we know how it works immunologically, we know how it works from an epidemiological standpoint, we're closer. I mean, this is yeah. astounding, the pace And of it is really thanks to a lot of Chinese researchers who use the internet and open source to upload the genome of what the virus looked like. And that allowed researchers and companies around the world to try to race to find some kind of 
vaccine for this. So that's actually a kind of good argument for free trade and free flow of information because they have the genome, they know how it's sequenced. That means that now our researchers in California and Texas and Florida can research what the vaccine should be. And if we keep our market system, give incentives, I think there's a, just a, a very good response. And we could have a vaccine hitting the shelves way sooner than everyone that's, else that's has been saying. Just, uh, the, the, the pace of that kind of development is astounding. And you look at like the, the countries that can do this quickly, like in Israel, like our country, those kind of places where free markets can proliferate, they have the opportunity to do that because there's there's a serious inquiry to, uh, desire. Now, Yael Lasowski, our guest, uh, written our, writes our articles for The Spectator and others. You hear him on The Big Talker with Joe pretty frequently, his show also. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about your take on CPAC. It's the largest CPAC in history. Sure. We're, uh, so I'm representing Consumer Choice Center. We're a consumer advocacy group, so there's a lot of allies in a place like this. A huge, huge resort, obviously, of uh, thinkers and ideas and media figures and you know people that you hear and read about all the time. So that's kind of great to see. You know, th This is a way to connect with people who might be in a political movement or advocacy movement. I think that's great. It gives a, a lot of fire to people. Uh, there's definitely a lot of people walking around with MAGA hats, uh, that's you know not necessarily our game, but hey, good to see people are involved in politics, uh, excited about trying to shape the future of our country. I think that's really the best thing to come out of CPAC is that we are a civically minded country. We have citizens who gather and talk about and discuss ideas and find out the best way to solve things. So seeing that at CPAC, I was here I think two years ago, you know, you are seeing a huge groundswell, a lot more young people too. So thank you, millennials, for I, showing up. You know, I, I was saying that earlier. The number of young people, every year for the past 10 years, I've noticed that trend. Younger, younger, younger. So many engaged people. And that's not because they're getting older, right? <laughs> Shut your mouth. Yal is no longer allowed ever on the show again, Joe. <laughs> now, of course I'm getting older. But the point is, they, what I'm saying is the number. I'm not saying that they look younger. I'm saying there are more of them. And they're very engaged in stuff like, yeah, and Ted just said, yeah, I'm getting older. Gee, thanks, Ted. So, uh, but anyway, y'all, anything uh, else you'd like to say? We're going to take a break here at the bottom of the hour, and Joe's listening, by the way. No, we'll be on Consumer Choice Radio uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. out of the Big Talker. So thanks 106. so much. 106.7. See? That was a good promo. So, Joe, I'm going to let you take it away from here, buddy. I know you've got an interview getting ready to, to roll, and um, we'll be back.